Before we read the scripture, I'm going to just share a little story with you. A couple of weeks ago, I met a friend at a new coffee shop, a coffee shop that was new to me, um, out of town, and, and, and I had never been there, so I asked them a couple of questions about their drinks and decided that I wanted to have um, a, a latte with a little bit of vanilla. Now, to, uh, in order to describe what that is to you, a, a latte is like this much strong coffee, this much warm milk, and then in my head, this much vanilla, okay? After the coffee had cooled off, I had this much coffee, this much warm milk, and what tasted like this much vanilla. <laughs> I have had enough vanilla in my coffee for a long time now, and I'm not going to need any more for quite a while. It was way too sweet. Now, you may not have had this latte problem that I have had, but I know that most of you have opinions about how you take your tea, right? I've had lunch with you. I've listened to you order sweet tea or unsweet tea or half-sweet, half-unsweet or unsweet with purple or unsweet with blue packets or unsweet with pink packets or unsweet with yellow packets, right? We don't all always need our tea as sweet as Bojangles makes it. We all have our own way that we want to experience, you know, our drink. And I think that there's some genius in that little illustration as it describes what God is calling us to or has called us to in the world. And I, and I hope you see that in these parables that we're going to read in just a second. I acknowledge, I think, the world would be a much better place if everyone in the world were engaged in a meaningful relationship with our God. If everybody was a faithful follower of Jesus, life would be easier, I think. But as we think back, that world has not existed for you might say a long time, maybe forever. There has never been a world in which God's people were just God's people, except, save for Adam and Eve. There's always been a little bit of God's work in a messy world, serving to season or sweeten it. And so once we recognize that the world can be a hard place, a place full of difficulties and, yes, even evil, then I think we have the chance to see the importance of faithfulness in the midst of that kind of world. We can both understand why we are having some of the difficulties that we have, but we also can see that we might have the power to help things be different. Salt is of no use if it's left in the shaker. Sugar cannot sweeten itself. And the parables this morning explain the power that a few faithful people can have when they seek to make a meaningful difference in their surroundings. 
I pray that you can hear that today. And I pray that we will hear God's call amid the mix of a mess. As we read five very brief parables from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 33, and then 44 through 52. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air may come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. And then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore and sat down and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood this? He, and they answered yes. He said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And then Jesus had finished these parables and he left that place. This is the gospel of our Lord, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this chapter, Matthew 13, Jesus has been telling parables, different parables, Two weeks ago, I preached from Matthew 13, and it was a parable, and then a few verses later, it was an explanation of that parable. Last week, I preached from Matthew 13. There was a parable, and then a block of verses later, an explanation to that parable. And this morning, we heard five brief parables in 10 or 11 verses. Many times when this reading is assigned, or when you read through this chapter, you think of that mustard seed parable, like Robert taught about. It's one that we, we preachers, I confess, like to, to bring out and to bring up. Like how, how, how wonderful it is that just one little thing can make such a huge, huge difference. For me, I suppose, in recent weeks, it's this parable of the leaven that has been, I guess, working on me. It's not preached very often. I can't remember ever preaching on it. I'm pretty sure I haven't, based on 
marking up my Bible to mark my readings the way I do. I don't think I've ever preached on this section of parables. But we skipped down the explanation of one of the other longer parables from before. And then Jesus tells the parable of the field. Someone finds something valuable in a field, so they go sell everything and buy the whole field to have that little thing of great value. That parable of the merchant who sold everything he had to buy that most valuable of pearls. And then the parable of the fishing nets, where there's going to be good fish mixed in with the fish that just need to be thrown away. But like I said before, the the, the leaven parable has been interesting to me. It's one that that is just like all the rest. There's a thread that runs through all of these parables. And in a way, they all point to the fact that it just takes a little bit of leaven in the midst of a bunch of wheat flour to bring goodness to the whole batch of flour. Just a little bit of leaven. The hope of the gospel is that it only takes a little bit of goodness to remarkably change the meaning of an entire substance or space. This is the Christian reason for being. Christians are called to be the treasure in the field, the good fish in the nets, and the leaven in the midst of the wheat. That is the reason for our existence. We are to be the goodness in the mix of a mess, a whole mess of wheat. Now before I go too much further, let me assure you that there are times when we as Christian people are very much called to be separate from the wheat. You don't store your wheat, your yeast, in the same bin as you store your flour, do you? There are times when we stay separate, when we're called to be apart from the world, when we are called to be different. But the parable reminds us that that wheat will not be able to experience the goodness, the love, the grace, the hope, and the the powerful experience of God that it desperately needs without us, without us the leaven in the world. If God is good and we are God's people, then the world needs us to be the joy and the hope and the light that they desperately seek. And so we, in turn, focus on what we can do to bring that hope to others. We don't need to fully separate ourselves from them, nor get ourselves caught up in disagreements, in ways that might prevent the bringing of the goodness of God to the places that need it most. We are the salt and the light, to borrow from a different chapter of Matthew. We are the leaven. The world needs God's people. Now, if our work is to be the leaven, we are to be the goodness amid the rest, then that means as the leaven mixed in with the wheat, we're going to be surrounded with things that are not like us. 
The nature of being the yeast in the midst of the flour is, is that we're different from the rest of the things around us. The treasure is different from the rest of the regular old field. Those good fish were different from the rest of the fish in the sea. And they all had worth in the midst of the messiness of the rest. Yet, those good fish made that whole net worth hauling into the shore and separating. That's how important the goodness was. And so faith is the diamond in the rough. Faith is taking the good with the bad. Being faithful means walking the the difficult rocks to get to the mountain view. Being faithful makes sense because we're immersed in a world who needs faithfulness. We are not living in a world that is faithful already. And so if we are going to be leavened, we are going to be surrounded with flour that is not like us. But without us, what difference could be made? So often in life, we seek out the places where we are most comfortable. We gravitate towards the people who have the exact same ideas and and traits and practices and interests as us. People who like comics go to Comic-Con. People who like cars stand around in garages or go to shows and stare at cars and talk about them. Cyclists all put on their skinny shorts and block up the roads together on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Runners join programs so that they can run marathons with thousands of people around them. And even in your places of work, a lot of times colleagues go out after work only to talk about the parts of work that they like to talk about. Dinner parties are usually attended by people who like having dinner with one another. This is natural. This is human. This is part of life that we enjoy. But these activities in and of themselves do not constitute a faithful life. For how could a bunch of Christians who like to be together truly be the leaven if all they ever did was hang out together? Yeast cannot do its work by itself. Only when the yeast is, as Robert said, mixed with some water and some flour and maybe a little sugar, can the yeast do what it is it was created to do. So if we're going to be leaven, we're going to be a part of the mess as well. And this is the hard part of the gospel. But it's also the nature of it. If we're going to be of any use, then we're going to have to be in the middle of all of that wheat flour. And that means we're going to find ourselves in the weeds sometimes. It means nothing is ever going to be ideal or perfect. Because it can't be. Because if everything were ideal and perfect, we wouldn't need a parable of the leavened bread, would we? I'm going to reach back to a story long before I was born and, and, and actually before most of us in this room were born. But we all know what happened in December of 1942. 
Our country was forced to enter into the Second World War. And there were many people who were, at the time, against us entering into the war for all kinds of different reasons. And one pastor, the pastor of the Riverside Church in New York City named Harry Emerson Fosdick, was a staunch pacifist. Well, he wasn't exactly a pacifist. He just knew that Christians shouldn't engage in war. This was his belief. And so on the, or, or but, on the Sunday after the bombing at Pearl Harbor, he preaches a sermon called The Church of Christ in a Warring World. And given the time, and given his stature, this sermon went out over the radio on the National Vespers service to the whole nation. See, there were many in his church, the Riverside Church, who didn't want to endorse engaging in the war. They hated the war. They hated the idea of what Christians were called to when they had to go to war. Yet listen to what he says about the role of his church, the role of the church, in the midst of a country who has decided it must be at war. He preached that the church must not separate itself from its people and the nation. Leaven works not by getting out of the meal and standing off, but by staying in, vitally participant in the unleavened mass which with, with which it deals, as the Master taught. He continues, God helping us, we will not reduce ourselves to the condition of unleavened meal. We will help we will keep a differential and distinctive quality. For if grace be in us, the, the living ferment of the master spirit, the very opposite of war, that yet may leaven evil to decency, to brotherhood and peace, which shall be kept vital and potent in our lives and churches. We will not separate ourselves from the people. Our troubles will be their troubles. Their sins, alas, have been our sins too. Their peril is ours. Fosdick and so many people in his church were deeply, they deeply grieved the activity of entering the war. But in the face of that terrible situation, what was more important than grieving and separating themselves was to be the church for people who needed it in the midst of war. And so through the whole Second War, the Riverside Church was a beacon of hope and of, and of light for people who needed it. Families who had sent, uh, sent their loved ones to war found home in the church, found support. Over 200 servicemen and women who were members of the church were called to go overseas. And the church loved and supported them every step of the way. The church's work was caring for the servicemen and women of the congregation and of guests of the congregation. They provided ministry to families. And the church lamented what these families were being put through. The church, in every single way, in the situation, stayed in the wheat. The church stayed in the middle of things to help and did not run away over an ideological disagreement. 
The church was the kingdom of heaven. It embodied being the yeast in the flour. It worked its way through all of the dough so that everyone could rise. And this is what the church and what us as Christians, at our best, it's what we do. We are the leaven to help make things good and right. And in that, it means life is hard. It means the world is chaotic and there are countless things that we don't and won't understand. But that's where we find hope in these parables today. The parables show us that that the chaos, the distress in the world does not understand us, does not understand the nature of the gospel we're called to. And so we find ourselves in a situation when we feel like we are the yeast in the midst of a whole bunch of flour that's different, we're probably right. When we feel like we're in the weeds because nothing else around us makes sense, well, then we are experiencing these parables. But there is hope. Because I believe the promise of these parables is fulfilled in that last one about the fish and the nets. The Lord will be with us. The Lord will convey goodness upon us. The Lord will save the good fish. And God will use us to make a tremendous difference in the world. And so if you find yourself in the wheat or in the weeds, take courage and find comfort. For God knows your needs. And God is right there with you. Take comfort in knowing that just like the Riverside Church was a beacon of hope in the midst of war, so too can you, and so too, I hope, can this church be a beacon for a people and a community who need it. But we can only be that if we allow God's power to work in us and on us and then through us each and every day. We are going to be in the middle of the weeds. We're going to be in the weeds. We're called to be in the wheat. I pray today that God may give us the wisdom and the courage to know how to be at work for him in the midst of all of that, today and for each day that lies ahead. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, it is something overwhelming that you have called us to. Yet we realize that it's only in following your call that we receive the the presence of your promise, the fulfillment of your promise, which is you will be with us always. And so, Lord, whether we see ourselves as diamonds in the rough, whether we see your love as the treasure in the middle of a field, the yeast in the middle of a bunch of wheat, whether we see you and and your love for us as the mustard seed which needs to grow or as something worth selling it all for. Lord, help us to see you with us. Help us to feel you carrying us forward and help us to measurably bless and care for those who are put in our world so that they might know the goodness of your love for today and for each of their days that lies ahead as well. Lord, give us the strength to do this. Give us the courage to do this. And give us the love to do this as well. It is in your name that we pray.
these things. Amen.